nothing particularly significant or important. It wasn't uh, terribly dramatic. That boy needs therapy. That boy needs therapy. Lying down on the couch. That's crazy when we've got effective interventions at our disposal. What does that mean? Large effect sizes, empirical questions answered left and right. A lot of the psychedelics became illegal. A lot of the psychedelics became illegal. Transcranial magnetic stimulation. Life is rubbish. For all of us. Welcome to the show. The Frontier Psychiatrist. Let's go. That boy needs therapy. That boy needs therapy. All that's going on here is that these people do not have a language for talking about their thoughts and their feelings. And as soon as they start talking about their thoughts and their feelings, they don't have to do crazy things. They don't have to do crazy things. Welcome to the Frontier Psychiatrist podcast. What works for borderline personality disorder? Hint. It's not oral medications or hospitals. By Owen Scott Muir, MD. Borderline personality disorder is a problematic name for a real problem. A brief back of the envelope description. Imagine you had a Lamborghini as your first car and you lived in a town with eternal snow and only steep hills. And everyone ripped on you for being a terrible driver while they rolled around in their all wheel drive Subarus. Now make the above about emotions. That is what it feels like to have BPD. It's maladaptive to drive in the snow, with a car exquisitely tuned to do anything but that. Although BPD is often present with other problems, depression, ADHD, etc., for which there are biological treatments, there are not treatments for BPD's three core symptoms. Unstable interpersonal relationships, impulsivity, and chronic feelings of emptiness. There are effective treatments for BPD, and they are all psychotherapeutic, not drugs or devices. A recent meta-analysis reviewed the state of pharmaceutical interventions. Background. Borderline personality disorder is a disabling psychiatric disorder that affects 0.4 to 3.9% of the population in Western countries. Currently, no medications have been approved by regulatory agencies for the treatment of BPD. Nevertheless, up to 96% of patients with BPD receive at least one psychotropic medication. And found the closest thing to an F-no you will see in a science article. Out of 87 medications in use in clinical practice, we found studies on just nine. Overall, the evidence indicates that the efficacy of pharmacotherapies for the treatment of BPD is limited. Second-generation antipsychotics, anticonvulsants, and antidepressants were not able to consistently reduce the severity of BPD. Low certainty evidence indicates that anticonvulsants can improve specific symptoms associated with BPD, such as anger, aggression, and affective liability, but the evidence is mostly limited to single studies. Second-generation antipsychotics had little effect on the severity of specific BPD symptoms, but they improve general psychiatric symptoms in patients with BPD. Conclusions. Despite the common use of pharmacotherapies for patients with BPD, the available evidence does not support the efficacy of pharmacotherapies alone to reduce the severity of BPD.
meds. Nope. That leaves us with therapy. As previously covered, the New York Times loves dialectical behavioral therapy. New large-scale research supports other therapies as well. A large meta-analysis this year found that therapy specifically for BPD was better than therapy not specifically for BPD. We found a large effect size favoring interventions for borderline personality disorder symptoms over treatment as usual or wait list, and the efficacy was maintained at follow-up. This effect size, 1.01, converted to a height difference using the Muir-Skilo emotionally corrective equation, is about two and a half inches taller. Psychotherapy is hard to study in that you are limited to studying its effects on patients who can enroll in a research study. By definition, they are suffering enough to want experimental therapy, but can hold their act together enough to make it to a bunch of study visits. That caveat aside, therapy trials for BPD have done a better job than depression studies at enrolling generalizable patients, in my opinion. One issue is that the research has been bedeviled by dropouts. Schema therapy had the lowest dropout overall, and mentalization-based treatment in the first two quarters. Community treatment by experts had the highest dropout. Moreover, individual therapy had the lowest dropout, group therapy the highest, with combined formats in between. Other variables, such as age or substance using exclusion criteria, were not associated with dropout. Conclusion. The findings do not support claims that all treatments are equal, and indicate that efforts to reduce dropout should focus on early stages of treatment and on group treatment. In keeping with this newsletter's focus on treatment for suicidal individuals, we will focus there, comparing treatments for reducing suicide from JAMA Psychiatry. We found that DBT, mentalization-based treatment, or MBT, and schema-focused therapy were significantly more effective compared to treatment as usual and general treatment. These findings remain statistically significant after performing sensitivity analysis, including only full DPD interventions and therapies using combined formats of individual and group. Beyond traditional therapy and pills, there is some emerging evidence on treatment with non-invasive brain stimulation. There is work I have published on transcranial magnetic stimulation in patients with and without personality disorders and depression. Deep TMS showed a reduction in depression scores in patients with a comorbid personality disorder with an effect size of 0.75. Non-invasive brain stimulation helps symptoms of depression in individuals with BPD. Results indicate that deep TMS reduces depression symptoms in MDD patients with and without a comorbid personality disorder. A newer review of non-invasive brain stimulation, aka TMS plus one study of TDCS, which is uh, transcutaneous direct current stimulation, found promise. According to impulsivity and emotional dysregulated domain improvements, non-invasive brain stimulation in BPD appears to restore frontolimbic network deficiencies. NIBS, that's non-invasive brain stimulation, seems also to modulate depressive features. Safety and tolerability profiles for each technique are discussed. So what do we talk about? Borderline personality disorder is treatable. 
And we have psychological or talk therapies that specifically outperform treatment as usual. None of these are medication. We have hard to access brain stimulation, maybe, and we don't reimburse either of these easily, unlike medications, none of which work. These talk therapies, they are typically done in the outpatient setting, so they're not reimbursed like life-saving surgery. Maybe they should be. There is a fiction. Therapy is for mild problems. Medication is for severe problems. If you see a psychiatrist, it's because you need medication. If you see a therapist, it's because you don't need medication. The above formulation is almost entirely wrong. Psychotherapy is a remarkably effective intervention for borderline personality disorder. This is a life-threatening condition for many. Thoughts or attempts to kill yourself is a symptom of the disorder. Although saint brain stimulation has shown promise in suicidal patients, therapy has robust evidence now. I've co-authored one book by Springer Nature on MBT therapy, but it costs money. And I have a link in the show notes to a free video version of the main ideas related to mentalization-based treatment, one of the specialized options. In short, it's effective and it's curiosity-based. Mentalizing is fundamental to being human. And because of that, it's really, really hard to explain succinctly. Uh, Life is rubbish for all of us. But if you can talk about your thoughts and feelings, you don't need to do crazy things. However, psychotherapy is considered outpatient mental health care, and it's poorly reimbursed. This is because the medical necessity criteria for outpatient mental health care assumes people are more or less not trying to end their life. To borrow from my favorite medical necessity guidelines over at Cigna, and highlights only, you have to have one of the following criteria, either a recent or serious suicide attempt or threat of violence towards others involving bodily injury with deadly intent or plan, or current expression of suicidal intent or homicidal intent with a plan for bodily harm that has a high likelihood of becoming deadly or causing serious injury, or recent or serious intentional self-injury, along with an inability to develop a reasonable plan for safety so that 24-hour observation, safety measures, and treatment are needed in a secure setting, or recent violent, impulsive, and unpredictable behavior that's likely to result in harm to the individual or someone else without 24-hour observation and treatment, including the possible use of seclusion and or restraints in a secured setting. Given suicide attempts or ideation are among the criteria for inpatient hospital level of medical necessity, well, between that and outpatient care, it's tempting to imagine that our outpatients with PPD are just not gonna be attempting suicide. That would not be in keeping with what is medically necessary. This approach is the obvious and best way to mitigate risk. Define risk as non-existent. This is unfortunately not factual for humans in their suffering. The facts matter less than the feelings. Just ask Romeo, speaking to a sleeping Juliet, but completing suicide anyway. For fear of that, I will stay with thee and never from this place of dim night depart again. Here, here I will remain with worms that are their chambermaids. Oh, here will I set up my everlasting rest and shake the yoke of inauspicious stars from this world-weary flesh. Eyes, look your last. Arms, take your last embrace. And lips, oh, you, the doors of breath, steal with a righteous kiss, a dateless bargain 
with engrossing death. Romeo. Romeo and Juliet. Act 5, Scene 3. We are left with the dilemma. What do you do about people who are suicidal, but shouldn't be cared for in hospitals? If you define outpatient care as never including suicidal individuals, you exclude the possibility that the very high-risk suicidal individuals will be cared for in the outpatient setting. And you subsequently define payment that can't support outpatient care in a way that cannot include appropriate payment for high-intensity or high-acuity work outside the walls of the hospital. Hospitals are not the best place to get your care for borderline personality disorder. Psychotherapy performed by psychotherapy specialists working with patients at risk for suicide in the outpatient setting, that is what we have the data to support. It is happening in the real world. As a healthcare system, we pay for it like it's therapy for mild anxiety, not like life-saving neurosurgical care for a functional brain problem that can otherwise kill you. Psychotherapy and surgery can be similarly difficult, complex, and high-intensity jobs. Some therapists do that complex work. Some surgeons do complex work in emergency situations. Trauma surgery is a specialty. There is no emergency psychotherapy equivalent. I've been on a lot of plane rides in which the doctor on board was required. At least in my case, 100% of them had a psychiatric component to the emergency that I went to handle. Our taxonomy has failed. Our payment models have failed. And it leaves patients with borderline personality disorder unable to get great care in the most appropriate settings. My emphatic suggestion, pay more for psychotherapists doing extremely difficult work. Train psychotherapists doing that work to a higher standard. Measure the work they do relentlessly and iterate. We've seen this therapy first model be scaled with no CD when it comes to obsessive compulsive disorder treated with exposure and response prevention psychotherapy. We cannot address completed suicide in the population by only talking about depression, crisis, and mutterings about how important mental health is. There are many drivers of suicidal behavior and many drivers of completed suicide. One of those is borderline personality disorder, and it is best treated with expertise, not drugs and not hospitals primarily. I discussed the in-hospital model here from 2017 overheard among the staff and this is just this is over a couple days this year nursing manager we like it when the doctors get hit then they can understand what we go through mr starfish always does this you can tell these are absolute statements in mbt we have the j word just these kids just need consequences i heard that i don't want to be accused of being too impulsive given the subject matter but the time is now we have enough data we have effective interventions we need to scale our understanding of what therapy is capable of. It is not just dealing with minor problems. It is also for some of the most serious. Owen Scott Muir, MD. Thanks for listening. This is the frontierpsychiatrist.substack.com and its associated podcast. Please leave a review with Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. It's a big deal and helps other people share and find the show. You can subscribe to the newsletter and we look forward to having you as a reader and listener. Tell your friends. Thanks, and be well.
life is rubbish, you know, for all of us. For all of us. For all of us. For all of us.